Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and Happy New Year, and welcome to the Backstage Show. This week on the Backstage Show, we have a special guest. That's right. Uh, to join us today, we have Mr. Greg Cassander. Hello, Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So this is, Thank you for joining us. This is uh, for us to have somebody a little bit more knowledgeable than us in the field of musicals, which is a topic that we have had kind of sitting on the back burner, simmering away since season one. We've been threatening to do this for quite a while. Yes, Jim. neither Jim nor I has all that much experience doing musicals, at least not anything recent. Yeah, well... You've done some sound stuff. Uh, yeah, more yeah. on the technical side, but not really the whole process. Not being, being in them or directing them or anything, and you have right. done both, correct? Actually, I've had near misses for directing, but... Uh, <laughs> have, uh, see, I thought you had directed. I, I've directed right? non-musicals so far. Okay. Well, then we need a better guest. No. Uh, <laughs> that's it. You're fired. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Tune in next week for our next guest. <laughs> well, you're still way ahead of the game. Uh, yes. So you certainly do <laughs> act in them, or I guess it's still acting. Yes, there yes, is. Yes, it's there, still acting. In the better productions, you'll find acting, yes. <laughs> it's not just singing, then. Well, it's it's more than acting, I guess. It's acting, it's singing, it's sometimes dancing. Yes, triple threat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's probably why um, it, it's got the appeal that it does, because there you know, doesn't really have to be any logical reason for the whole genre to exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, considering, and you hear it all the time with television especially, when's the last time someone you've met on the street in the middle of conversation starts breaking into song and then a key change takes place and they start dancing you know <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen i don't know no. don't you remember cop rock oh god oh god yeah <laughs> that did not last <laughs> but it just seems and i think that's one of the problems that jim and i have with musicals is the complete and utter disdain for realism Sus a huge suspension of disbelief there is and it tends to be, I know there are some musicals that, that delve deeply, but it tends to be a little thin on the plot side often. I'll, I'll disagree. Yeah? In that, uh, if you're talking about what a lot of people consider to be the golden era, which is anywhere between the 30s up to the late 60s, mm -hmm. yeah, I have to agree with you. The chestnuts, um, Glenn. Right. The, the chestnuts, chestnuts. Yes. exactly, the chestnuts. The whole idea typically was, the, the business side of it, was that a, a composer usually had you know some kind of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, the Theater Guild in New York, of course, was always looking to produce something new. So typically it was, you know, a group of friends, you know, Rodgers and a Hammerstein saying, hey, let's talk to Josh Logan because, of course, you know, everybody knew Josh Gore. <laughs> I mean, just everybody knew everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of it was based on the music and they sort of just figured out a plot to get you from song to song. Right. Or, uh, or the opposite, which is still done now, which is, hey, let's find this really great story that exists already and try to shoehorn 16 so songs it. into it. Mm. Well, so you're seeing a is lot there a quota? more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there almost is, yeah, uh, which is why the adaptations from um, the stage to, or sorry, film to stage tend to be problematic because a film will only have about seven songs or so. Mm. Usually for a musical, you're going to need at least a dozen and, and more so lately to upwards of 20 mm. song 
cues. They may be reprises. Yeah, does that count, count reprises or yeah. what? Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> in, in reprises. Like I, I was just in Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is really you know contemporary by by standards. It's not through song, but um, my role is playing uh, Claude Frollo, and unlike the other characters, he doesn't have a series of songs with the beginning, a middle, and an end. He's got one humongous song, but then for two hours, you are drifting in and out of speech. So you're speaking, and you just drift right into it. Wow. So it's unlike the, the standards of, of, let's say, the 50s, where people just said, yes, and have I ever told you, da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was just complete, like, you know, how, how many times have I told you, Quasimodo, and next thing you know... There's no stopping. It's right. just plows it just through right in into another piece of music. Interesting. Now back to your your you know reprises. That character had four light motifs and about four hundred variations on lyrics for those four light motifs. Mm-hmm. Which you know, as I get older, I start you know I get to number two hundred yeah. and <laughs> I'm like, oh oh no oh god, which one is this one? I I, I just did that one, Ugh. and you have to do those tricks like you know as an actor. You have to make sure the one you have a trouble on, either you know exactly where your feet are, or you're pointing to something, mm-hmm. or you're leaning against something, because that is the only thing that is going to jog your memory bunch for of, that hard one you can't remember. A bunch of mnemonics, really. Yeah, pretty much. I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, there's the, the inherent kind of similarities are not quite repetition, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you gotta you come up with that a lot more often in song than you are in your just general dialogue. Well, it happens well, I would, in the dialogue, but. I would say that. I mean, Glenn, you you directed me in a show where I was at a bar about fourteen times in one scene. Yeah. True. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just general. I mean, it happens, but things. that's that's more blocking, I guess, with song lyrics and that sort of stuff. It feels a little bit sometimes it exactly is repetitive of a certain phrase that the words are repeating rather than the actions. Yeah, so that can get tricky, and I th- I would think that happens a little bit more when you're dealing with song lyrics than when you're dealing with verses, just... different verses, even. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's really easy because you're telling a story, mm-hmm. so yeah. you can really hone That's into true. where in the plot you are. In a little night music, for example, in praise of women, is a character sung by a character who is incredibly jealous and and angry to the point where he can't finish a sentence literally. So it's two and a half minutes of the mm-hmm. start of all these sentences, and there's no resolution to a single sentence. <laughs> and you have to do it, you know, with you know every other every other line has rhymed. And when I was playing Carl Magnus years ago, the one night it's it's Sondheim, and that one's actually really not too complicated. But the whole idea that only he would compose something where the character wouldn't finish a thought mm-hmm. it kind of seemed to be a good idea to him for some reason. But I'm in the middle of the performance, and I'm getting through it. It's like I'm feeling fine, and next thing I know, I have no idea what's going on. And someone has a recording of it somewhere that, because he doesn't finish a sentence, I just started making stuff up. <laughs> and then, I don't know how I did it, I saw a, a VHS of it. I managed to rhyme every other line. It made wow. zero sense. Wow. Absolutely no sense at all. It was brilliant in this slithy top. <laughs> but, you know, all I can imagine afterwards, you know, I laughed really, really hard when I got off stage because I had no idea what just happened. <laughs> wow. And, but you managed to get and through. Yet, and yet I was assured that because it's Sondheim, some people in the audience probably thought it was intentional. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> the only experience I have with Sondheim is directing Getting Away with Murder, which is like his non-musical yeah. that he wrote. And that's bizarre enough. <laughs> so I guess since you've talked quite a bit about uh, experience as an actor in a show, maybe 
to kind of go to the beginning of that thread, you know, it's probably a little bit different to audition for a musical because of different things you probably have to prepare. Like songs. Songs. <laughs> like songs. Because of the singing. <laughs> yeah, the singing. Yeah. yeah. Just like non-musicals, each director tends to have his or her favorite way to do things. Okay. So in some cases, the audition notice will require you to sing a specific cut from something in the score. Mm-hmm. And from then, the show that... From the show you're auditioning for. I think okay, I've... Okay, no, that's, that's another... You know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's another sorry. one. But usually when they, you know, you say, okay, we want you to audition for X role, you got to sing measure 24 through 36 of this particular song from the score. Mm-hmm. And then the requirement then is, then find something to show your own unique abilities not from the score. Not from the show. As your second. Yeah. Then you have the directors, like you just mentioned. And I'm one of them. I don't want to hear like Little Orphan Annie singing tomorrow three sure. bajillion times. So it's like, no, no, we do not want to hear the same song over and over. Don't sing anything from the score. Right. But I want to hear something either from the same composer or something of the same genre or feel. Okay. That of ma- the score. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Those to me are the more difficult ones because you're never sure what the director considers to be similar. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And depending on what you're auditioning for, there may not be a lot of other material from that composer to choose from. Right. You know. I imagine that can get pretty tricky. Yeah, you just kind of figure out what's going on. Or, you know, the third one, which is come in, we'll do scales, and then do something that makes you look good. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) callbacks will actually listen to you more carefully. Hmm. I, this is way back in high school, I think the latter experience that you just described was what I remember, where you just came in, brought in anything to sing, there was an accompanist there. Or is it accompanist? Accompanist. Thank you. There was an accompanist there, and he just sang whatever. And then the real serious breakdown of judging your ability against particular roles on the show was more done in the callback. That makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, my... It's kind of like a weeding out process, right. I guess. Yeah. I, my musical experience is far older than that, and that was fifth and sixth grade was like the last time that I sang in a musical, and... To the best of my recollection, you weren't singing to audition. I think it was pretty much any kid that wanted to do it was in because there wasn't that much competition. Mm. And the only musical I've done in community theater, I went and said there there was a role that had no singing. So I'm like, I'll take that if you want to give it to me. And I auditioned for that, and I didn't sing at the audition. I, I, haven't, I haven't been on an audition where they've just said, you know, I'll call it free-range auditioning. <laughs> I haven't had that in a long, long time. Yeah, It's much more formulaic much more regimented yeah, mm-hmm. like in the it. area right now it feels like musicals would benefit more from that than non-musicals to have a little bit more structure to the audition you really have to especially so when you're doing a large show you have to to plow through a lot of talent mm-hmm. in yeah. a really specific period of time and nobody i don't care what any actor thinks no director really wants to say thank you next yeah but yeah we talked about that which i was actually going to follow up with a question. So is it more one-on-one individual appointments auditions or is it more of an open group audition or how does it Depends it on the structured? theater company. Um, really? Okay. Or the director in some cases. More and more frequently, you know, because I started doing this. I started acting when I was five years <laughs> old and, and I'm, I'm now five decades later, you know. Yeah, geezer. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's a lot more, like I said, regimented. It's, you know, it's going. You're going in for stuff, and more and more frequently, it's one-on-one auditions or yeah, um, you and just someone on the production staff is reading yeah. opposite of you, mm-hmm. right? And honestly, it's it's preferable for me in some cases because 
you, you'll go into an audition and there's never enough time to learn absolutely everything before you get into an audition unless you unless you've got you know your regular vocal coach sessions and and you have it but I mean you get to a certain point where either you can't afford it or you don't have the time and you're just squeezing that task into real life mm-hmm. and, and to get it done so having the one-on-one or one with the, the staff is really kind of nice usually it's callbacks is where you actually get to sing opposite people yeah and, yeah. and read off of specific people because they've already looked at your type what you look right. like yeah the yeah. timbre of your voice you know which just, for a musical is probably a major consideration yeah. you, you want to make sure you bake in as much success as you can just from casting because there are so many moving parts in a musical it sometimes is kind of head spinning yeah what about like would there be any chore- basic choreography exercises involved in an audition uh yeah of course it depends on the show so I was just in a show this year where the choreographer knew that he wasn't going... It's not a, It wasn't a dancey show, but it required choreography. Mm-hmm. So he refused to use the word choreography. Okay. So we, we will have some staged movement. We will have some <laughs> planned footwork. You know, planned just sort of like, footwork. <laughs> just, you know, that's, I don't know Rhythmical if that was one of his blocking. phrases, but it was, just, it was a bunch of euphemisms, and it became a running joke in, in the cast <laughs> because all of us have some experience dancing and only... Yeah. Maybe five people were trained dancers. So, yes, they put us through their paces, but it's not like, you know, um, an experience where, let's say, if you're doing a chorus line, you're going to come in, you're singing, your acting is probably going to be only a few moments because mm-hmm. it's a very acting, or I should say dialogue light, not acting light, dialogue light. Yeah. Then comes your music, which is the mid range. But a chorus line is all about the choreography. So, those folks mm-hmm. are coming in and they're getting these long, complex routines. Which, if you're a trained dancer, I suppose, is more is easier for you because you have the experience of knowing, oh, this combination usually gets glued to that combination. It usually ends in a stinger. I mean, me, you know, it's basically whatever I've been taught by a choreographer in the past is all I have to go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, although some things may feel comfortable, it's like I have no idea what to anticipate. Right. So this would be something you'd have to kind of learn at the spot? Yes, you learn it on the spot. And and you do the the old-fashioned smile really big (laughs) and just do your your errors with confidence. Which one's my left foot again? (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the main reason that neither of us are doing auditions. I don't don't see you being much of a dancer, and I know I'm not. I think you underestimate me. Oh, maybe I do. It's something that I... Choose not to do. Get up now. Let's. But see. if I had to, Dang, I clear, could. clear the table. Dance. Clear the table. <laughs> no. I the the only time I was ever I've able done to it. Dance. I've learned grapevines. Uh, you know, so I, I can I got, do it. If I, I put got my choreographed mind to it. for my wedding dance, and that was the only time that I've actually managed to get choreography and and do it properly. And people were impressed with the wedding dance, to the best of my recollection. It was a while ago, ten years. But yeah, I've had shows. You know, non-musicals where they've tried to choreograph me before, and I just I I always have problems with it. I just don't I don't move well. Mm. So I was just you know in Mystery of Edwin Drood, and the choreographer decided since I was playing a leading character to put me in the front row, and that just put the fear of God into me. It's like, <laughs> yeah. No, I they are the dancers over here. <laughs> um, thankfully, he he made the wise choice of putting me off on the side, mm-hmm. and and the only challenge that posed for me was. It wasn't until the final tech rehearsal that either the piano or the scaffolding was not in my position number 12 on stage. So I've been rehearsing for weeks, 
you know, I had to stop because there's something physical where I should be. <laughs> An obstruction? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> and then finally it went away, and, you know, then I, it took, like, opening nights when I actually figured out exactly what my spacing was because right. there was actually space. Yeah, that actually kind of brings up another question with dealing with tech and that sort of thing with a musical. Like, how much are you waiting until tech week or maybe even opening, I don't know, to, to deal with, like, have you, by the time you hit tech week, I assume you've locked in the lines. Are you working with like a full orchestra before tech or is tech considered, or is the orchestra considered part of tech? Usually if you are trying to be professional about it, you have a Zitz probe. How do you spell that? S-I-T-Z-P-R-O-B-E. German. Yes. Not a Zitz bath. Not a Zitz bath. No, everyone wants <laughs> it to be a Zitz bath. It's a Zitz probe. <laughs> I've been in attendance at a couple. <laughs> yeah, they're they're basically a carryover from the opera world. It's your first encounter between the orchestra and the cast. Okay, and you, that's pre-tech week. That's pre-tech week. Yeah. Okay, so, so you, uh, usually what a few weeks before tech, a couple uh, weeks before. Tech. Usually, mm-hmm. it's the Sunday before your first Sunday tech. So two oh, weeks, like a before, week before. Like, yeah, like two weeks before you open. Okay. Because the pit's been rehearsing separately, right? Um, on different nights, maybe in even a different building. And that night, some people love it, and it just petrifies me to no end every single time. You know, yeah. sweaty mess, because I've been doing this in relative um, privacy yeah. of a small rehearsal with mm. only a handful of people watching me make all my mistakes. And now, not only do you have the entire cast there, because a lot of times you don't get to perform your number even for the rest of the cast, mm-hmm. until now there's okay. like 10 now to 20 there. other people yeah. Yeah. coming in, and they throw microphones at you. Yep, that's so, right. That's, I guess that's why you've been uh, at this. That's why I've attended sits probes, yes, mm-hmm. to put mics on people. Yeah. So now because they're a little bit hard to hear without you know over well, top over of the orchestra, the whole sure. orchestra, yes. So you know, now you're you're not only making an occasional mistake, but you're doing it in front of your whole cast, in front of twenty strangers, with a microphone bringing up to absurd <laughs> levels that you can hear your mistakes loud right. and clear. I hadn't realized, I guess, that that was really the first time that everybody like that was coming together. A lot of times. Yeah, okay. Well, that's so, usually the first time I show up, so <laughs> when I've been in that capacity. So the the singing rehearsals are separated from the orchestra rehearsals up Definitely. until that point. And I would imagine just going over the whole rehearsal process, I mean, sure you got blocking like you would with a non-musical. I would imagine you probably have some rehearsals dedicated to choreography. Yeah. Once again, that's back to the director, how they like to, yeah. to run things. I know my personal preference is having a regular schedule of book rehearsals for dialogue, you know, scheduled choreography rehearsals, and then music rehearsals. But a book rehearsal, as you described it, would still involve walking through a scene, I take it? Yep. Okay. It's just like any other non-musical scene. Running a scene like right. we would normally do in a non-musical. Okay. But what yeah. happens when you come up to the song in a rehearsal like that? You just skip it or you talk through it? or Depends how crazy the song is. Mm-hmm. If it's a really straightforward song, you don't need to do anything with it. You just say, oh, we're rehearsing that in the music rehearsal. Okay. okay. If you do have something that's really technical, like in some cases, if there is, let's say, going to be a, a special lighting instrument on you for one specific phrase or something like that, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you'll walk through it, just not in a full performance level, just so that you get the blocking of it. Yeah. So that you can hit your spot at the right, right. place and, and it's reproducible over and over again. Makes sense. And I would imagine with, for the musical rehearsals, I imagine when you're dealing with songs that involve a lot of people, then there's really got to be a lot technically worked out with just 
the singing parts of it, just people who have to harmonize, you know, groups of chorus that have to harmonize together, you know, working on that. Usually you get get scheduled for whoever the the primary voices are, you know, the solo, the duet, the trio, whatever it is. Okay. And, And once that's worked out, then you bring in all of the you know scads of other the people ensemble. who are doing the the big backup okay. work. So when you're dealing with music rehearsals where you're just rehearsing the music is that just you know sitting in a semicircle and rehearsing the music are you moving with the music is it depend? Well you got to get your music down and your lyrics down before you can get your feet moving. Okay. So you got to have it because at any moment the choreographer or the director depending on how dance filled it is sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of movement sometimes there's actually dance steps but when they see that what they came up with in their mind doesn't look right to them on the spot you have to know it well enough that you can just go back to measure xyz yeah and then they can rethink the choreography or the staging on the spot hmm. and have you run through it again because you have to have the material mostly if not completely learned it definitely seems like there's just a lot more moving parts to it than yeah than non-musical that's I, I think that's you know it's really the reason why i find it compelling is because there really is no reason why the laws of physics would allow these things to happen mm. <laughs> i mean you've got a full tech crew usually lighting cues with the exception of some plays most plays have some lighting cues but it's not what was it i was in a show Oh, I don't remember which one it was, but it had 152 light cues in it. Wow. Yeah, that sounds about right. And with 152, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that that's another reason why when you're staging it, you got to know where you are before sure. you walk in there. I hadn't really considered that as far as thinking that what you were just describing in terms of the music really having to be down before the choreography. I just figured that there would have been so much work to do for the choreography part that they kind of almost had to go in parallel to a large degree. Once again, it depends on on the show. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a really dance-heavy show, then I can definitely see that you would run them parallel because... Yeah, because maybe in some of those dance-heavy numbers, it's possible that a lot of those performers really maybe aren't singing very much. Right. And it really is the dancing that's what they're doing. So they're kind of... Yeah, they're both tied to music, but... You don't necessarily have to work out the singing element of it beforehand, maybe. But it almost seems like that would be the equivalent of memorizing your lines before you block the show. What's weird is, to me, just the way my brain is wired, it's so much easier to learn lyrics than it does to learn a monologue. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I mean, they've, they've done things where just setting things to music makes it easier to remember them. Wasn't there a whole, like, Happy Days episode with that? <laughs> I missed there was that a Cheers one. episode. I, I, must, I, I no, I remember the Cheers episode <laughs> with Al- Albania, Albania. Sounds vaguely familiar. Bordered on the Adriatic. <laughs> yes, that sounds, just, yes, that sounds familiar. Sorry, I was, didn't remember what show it was from. Or, <laughs> that but, was but nothing feels better when you have all the stars aligned than yeah. seeing all these different departments, you know, in back of the the audience and back of the theater box everything coming together everything working completely well it's just an amazing feeling like i mean i know it's cheesy but you know you have that moment at the end of the song you're having your final crescendo into whatever ridiculously high note they always end up with ridiculously <laughs> high notes but you I know challenge we, somebody to write a musical where everybody ends on a really low note <laughs> yeah. oh, i don't think that's ever like happened the, <laughs> like a brown note <laughs> but just but to, to be in in your places you're you're feeling good it sounds good you can hear the, the reverberation from the mm-hmm. sound system it sounds 
like you know there's the phrase the golden microphone yeah i mean you know someone in the cast has the one microphone that's going to make everybody sound good <laughs> and everyone's envious of that person's microphone <laughs> but let's say you've got that micro the golden microphone yeah. you're sounding good and all of a sudden like all these automated lighting instruments start like zooming in on you and then they focus <laughs> and then you know 12 14 people behind you come up in like eight part harmony it's it's yeah. it's amazing when all of those elements all work at once. I, I can imagine. I mean, I I do have a certain appreciation. There are musicals that I do enjoy. I, ironically, I tend to enjoy more chestnut-like musicals, <laughs> despite the fact that we're constantly making fun of like the producers. I love the producers, but I mean, I also feel like in some sense that's almost a parody of that sort. It of is. Thing. It's definitely a parody. Yeah. So, but I can see with all of these individual elements, if they can manage to coordinate and come together, that that is just kind of a magical moment. Whereas with a non-musical, there's just not as many moving parts. Yeah. Kind of related to that, there's more staff in charge, really, when there's a musical involved. I mean, for non-musical, you've got a director, a stage manager, and a producer, which you still have in a musical, typically. Mm -hmm. But you've also got a music director, and you've got a choreographer, presumably in most cases. So they're all kind of department heads, I guess, in a way. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you're dealing with choreography rehearsals, music rehearsals, that sort of thing, I'm assuming they're at least led by the choreographer and the music director, but how much is... I'm assuming also that the director is showing up for all of this. No. No. Interesting. So the... so I will. I, 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 let, me, I, let me clarify on that. Okay. You've got your, your staff meetings which typically should be weekly, but you know, mm. sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows what's on the schedule for the next week at those staff meetings. So you know that such and such a musical number is going to be done. Mm -hmm. Certain pages of the book will be done. That, you know, the, the costuming, because musicals always tend to have heightened costumes. Yeah. Um, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, really. You, you, and you, you tons don't wear, of them. You, you don't wear spangles, you know, to, to work. Uh, <laughs> well, he's wearing them now. Oh, we okay. won't get into that. So, yeah, I'll, and it's not out. that the, the director's not involved because mm -hmm. the director is actually there, you know, with the staff meetings. Right. Making sure that all the departments are reporting in and we're on okay. schedule and on budget. Kind of sounds like a project manager. Yes, it is. It's the most amazing project management job you yeah. get. Yeah, it seems like it's a little more project management than than with a non-musical, you're hands-on with pretty much everything. And whereas the the stage manager and producer are certainly doing their job, the director is overseeing pretty much every aspect of what's going on stage. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas it's more hands-off when it comes to choreography and music direction going, this is what I want to happen. Exactly. Do that. In, in the, you know, in the okay. staff meetings, you know, they'll have conversations where I want something specifically to happen there. Mm -hmm. And then the choreographer in their, their creativity steps away and says, how do I fit that into what I think should happen right. in this particular right, number? Right. So you'll go to a choreography rehearsal, and at least in my experience, the director's hands off for a long time. Mm -hmm. But when you get closer, then they after the choreography feels choreographer feels that the, the cast has something down well enough to show it off, then the director and everyone else is brought in gives feedback right to get feedback yeah, saying yeah. you know I don't think you know this transition is working okay you know what it is it, th that makes me think as a director the closest comparison I would have with that is is like lighting or costume design where they'll go off and do their own thing and I'll be like, you know what, that doesn't quite work, can we change that? And yeah. that's usually yeah. tech week where I'm working that out. And is that, it's gotta happen before it's tech. Earlier. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, got much to, earlier. Because there's so much more involved with it. 
I imagine too that the director is probably still the one who has to recruit those other, we'll call them department heads, I guess, and put the team together. Is that true? Depends on the company. Really? For example, I, I'll come to think of it. Yes, I did direct a musical. Oops. Ah. Yes. Ah, the truth comes out. Yes, the truth comes <laughs> out. It was, it was a long, long time ago. Yeah, I, I directed Barry Widow at Rose Valley Orchestra and Chorus which is an amazing experience because you get a built-in 30-piece orchestra, you get a built-in 25-person chorus. You, I mean, they have nice. their own scene shop in their own building, and every week they've got blueprints building wow. set pieces, plus a budget that yeah. is much bigger than most other companies. Yeah, no, when we were talking about budget, I told you there were some big ones. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, in their case, the director's brought in as a guest artist. Okay. So everything is there. So you come in and you're you're basically filling a job. Mm-hmm. So you're working with you know the house orchestra director, the house okay. musical director, right. and your job is to make sure the whole production is together. That includes all of their standard department heads. You know, in other companies, especially the ones I'm, I'm more frequently involved with, it does end up becoming production companies. And unfortunately, I don't have a standard performing uh, a standard production company because I just don't direct often enough. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like I, I go from one assignment and then take 60 days off and jump into the next one and then take three, another four months off and jump into another one where you have a stable of people. And, and there are people, and I envy them greatly, that they have this, you know, this black book of people they can call up with yeah. only a couple of weeks' notice, and magically you've got an entire staff. <laughs> I have no experience of that whatsoever. Yeah, right. yeah. Usually it's people that you've been saying, hey, we've been meaning to work together for a decade. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is our chance, and okay, this person's on board. All right, so that means now we have to scrounge for you know, someone else to fill another thing, and then you find out, you know, in my case, you know, this person's busy until June of next year. That person is going to be having a baby and won't be uh, active for at least a year, if not more. Right. So, yeah, if we're talking about, you know, your, your, your creative staff, it's going to vary greatly depending on either the company or, yeah. I mean, is your, main, is your main goal in life to be a director? Then you probably do have a handful of people. Mm-hmm. A stable A stable of, of people go-tos. to work with. Yeah. I, I just recall my own experience with Barton Playhouse, people submitting to direct shows will have to kind of line up. Yeah, a lot a of the times the, when you're putting that submission in, I think it is the Especially with musicals that, the, that musical directors really carry a lot of weight. Yeah. And no producer is going to be putting their thousands of dollars into financing it unless they, the two major figureheads at minimum mm-hmm. are already on board because you know without the music director, musicals kind of fizzle. Yeah. That I seems could, to be I the requirement. Yeah. As far as community theater goes, that seems to be a requirement that you have to have a musical director yeah. already in place. I would imagine, though, that depending on the show's needs, that a choreographer is also very important. Yeah, definitely. If you're doing a show about showgirls, yeah, those showgirls have to be <laughs> dancing. Yep. Um, and you'll, you're going to need the choreographer up front. But there are other shows that, that have a lot less musical yeah, um, or, I mean, less dancing. Sorry yeah, for yeah. the mm-hmm. amount of music that's that they that's have. That's true. Yeah, it depends on like yeah, next to normal. Needs. You know, you don't have a choreographer. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got six people. You know, acting their guts out and singing some amazing music all night long. Yeah. Next to no choreography. Yeah. Next to no choreography. <laughs> good. We should have that one as the subtitle. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, I suppose this might be a good point to adjourn. Point so to perhaps sure. next week we can pick up this conversation with Greg, assuming he's, as we always say, willing to hang out for a week with us. In the meantime, I got to pull out sofa bed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. In the meantime, if you've got any comments or questions or episode ideas or whatever, you want to just talk to us and say hi, 
You can contact us <laughs> Hi. by... Hi. You can contact us by visiting our website. That's backstage.link and clicking on Contact the Show. That's right. We also have our phone number by which you could leave voicemail or text, 267-225-8869. Again, that is 267-225-8869. And if you've enjoyed this episode or our show in general, please leave a review and subscribe if you haven't subscribed already and tell a friend. And if you haven't enjoyed this episode or the show in general, then we don't want to hear from you. Well, tell a friend anyway. Maybe your friend will enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we'll be back with more from Greg. and More about musicals. Yes, more about musicals that we can finally talk about because we have somebody who knows what they're talking about. (laughs) Until that time, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you for joining us backstage. Bye-bye. We're going to Happy New Year there, huh? I did. When is this airing? Uh... It's the first show of the new year. Well, I know that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Suddenly I forgot how to speak. This week. Yes. I I got next line. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an outtake was just commenced. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What name would you like us to use? Greg Cassandra. Okay, just checking. It's only only, only when I'm doing a serious dramatic role as a Gregory D. (laughs) Alan Smithy. (laughs) (laughs) So much silly. Oh, that's a chest and I could live without. <laughs> well, that's the one we roasted. You have to listen to our Christmas episode. Yeah, so we I edit chipmunks. <laughs> the director is still. Yeah, we're coming up on time, okay. I think, but. Sorry. We're almost there. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe we should do that over again. Okay. Be in your pants.